If you have your Bibles tonight, then take them over to the book of Exodus. Thumb your way over there to the book of Exodus, chapter number 32 tonight. And uh, we'll be looking at verses 1 through 8. Exodus chapter number 32 tonight, verses 1 through 8. Good to see you back here on a Sunday night. And, uh, and how many of you are liking the time change? <laughs> wow, that was impressive right there. Uh, how many of you are not liking the time change? A hundred percent no right there. And so it is, yeah, I'm not a big fan of it either. It's uh, as far as uh, work is concerned or doing things outside. It's like, man, it, you know, you look up, it's uh, five o'clock and it's already dark time. Uh, it's better than when we lived in Tennessee, right, sweetheart? And uh, you remember we lived right there on the border of the time zone, and I think it was about 4.30, uh, it was dark outside. And so that was that was no fun right there. Uh, but anyhow, uh, in those days, you, when I would go deer hunting, I can remember you had to wake up at 3 o'clock in the morning and uh, to go uh, find you a spot. And uh, I didn't go to as much back then. So, uh, But anyhow, it's uh, good to have you tonight. Exodus chapter number 32, verses 1 through 6. We're continuing the life of Moses. And up to this point, uh, if uh, you remember last time in Exodus chapter number 24, uh, what was happening there was that uh, it is, uh, Exodus 24 is the chapter of worship. It truly really is a chapter of worship. And uh, the 70 elders, along with uh, Nadab and Abihu and, and Aaron and also, and also Joshua and Moses, go up to the, the mount there and uh, they get to have a, a meal with God, essentially. And the Bible says, and they saw God. Uh, and the Lord uh, was in front of them. They were worshiping God. It was an amazing experience. And in between that time and until this time, it's about 40 days, 40 days time, from Exodus 24 to Exodus chapter number 32. And in Exodus chapter number 32, 33, and 34, to me, those, these three chapters are some of the most monumental chapters in all the Bible. They're amazing chapters. They're, they're, they're astounding, really, when you consider what they had seen, what they have gone through, and now what they're about to do. It is absolutely, I don't know of another word for it than the word astounding. It's mind-boggling. To, to think that you have seen God, and then now you're going to worship a golden calf as God. Uh, can you imagine such? Can you imagine, I mean, seeing God, having, having breakfast with God, if you, I mean, having supper with God. Uh, I mean, and then all of a sudden, 40 days later, you're lifting up a golden calf, and you're worshiping that. It's amazing. I'm going to examine some questions tonight about how did they get to this place, bring somebody to a place like this here tonight. Exodus chapter number 32, you found your place. Let's begin with verse 1. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this man Moses, the man that brought us up out of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people break off the golden earrings which are in their ears, and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand, and they fashioned it with a and he fashioned it with a graving tool after he had made. 
had a golden, a molten calf. And they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee out, out of the land of Egypt. And when Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it. And Aaron made a proclamation and said, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And they rose up early on the morrow and offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink and rose up to play. And the Lord said unto Moses, Get thee down. For thy people which thou brought us out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. They have turned aside quickly out of the way which I commanded them. They have made them a, gold, a molten calf and have worshipped it and sacrificed thereunto and said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. Tonight I just want to preach a message called Turned Back. Turned Back. And I want to encourage us tonight, this, uh, this one simple thing, let us not, let us not turn our backs on God. Let us not turn our backs on the Lord. As I said earlier, it's amazing to me that here we have this great crowd. And understand this too, that if you take your Bibles and if you went back to Exodus chapter number 19, you would find that not just were the 70 elders and the Nadab and Abihu and Aaron also there on the Mount of God and seeing, uh, seeing God and having supper with God, but also the whole congregation had seen, had seen the fury, had seen the, uh, the, 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 the glory, the amazingness of God there in Exodus chapter number 19. They heard God speak to them. The words of God, they heard the Ten Commandments come from the mouth of God. And they had heard this, the whole congregation had. They had seen these things. But not only that, but what else had they seen? Let's remind ourselves what they had seen. They had seen the, they had seen the Ten Plagues, had they not, in the land of Egypt. They had seen the crossing of the Red Sea. Uh, they had seen the bitter water turn sweet. Uh, they had seen quails fall from heaven. They have been seeing the manna fall every single day. And in every single day also, let me remind you of this too, that a cloud went before them in the day and a pillar of fire by night. They were seeing this consistently, constantly. They were receiving instruction from God and yet they still turned their back on God. It should not surprise us that God reminds us constantly in His Word to keep His commands, to seek His face, to go after Him, to ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. It should not surprise us, it should not offend us if uh, we hear preaching on this, or if we uh, read it in our Bibles, or if we uh, read it in a daily devotion, or if we hear it on the radio or on, on a, or, or on the internet from some preacher saying, don't turn back on God, stay following God, keep on keeping on. When I was there, uh, in fact, I wanted to say this uh, before I continue, is I was in Lancaster this uh, past week, and uh, Alex says, uh, hello. And I got to see Alex, and uh, just was over there uh, trying to recruit some, some, uh, some maybe a young man or or two, at least one young man, maybe come over here and help us this next summer. And so maybe that will happen. You pray about that. Lord will uh, give us the right person for that. We'd really, we literally, really appreciate that. But nonetheless, got to see Alex. But you know, the man that was preaching and almost preached his sermon. It was a great sermon. It was about Jericho. 
And it was about the fact that uh, the, the, people of, the, the people of God were to march around Jericho one time for six days every single day. And then on the seventh day, they were to march around. Uh, Bible trivia question, how many times were they supposed to march around? Seven, right, not five, all right. Uh, we marched around seven times on the seventh day. And the message that he preached on was, was just basically keep on keeping on. Uh, stay with it. Don't stop. I mean, it might not make sense, but keep on keeping on. Why are we constantly told this? Why are we constantly given this message? Why is it something that is put before us all, all the time? Being faithful to God. Why? Because we are so tempted to not be faithful to God. We are so tempted to stop following God. We are so tempted to quit doing God's holy will for our lives. And God knows this. God understands this. God sees this in us. He remembers that we are just dust, it says in another place. God's word is constantly reminding us. Even this story that is set before us is rehashed again for us in the book of 1 Corinthians. Turn your Bibles over to the book of 1 Corinthians. We're given this story, I believe, for many reasons. Number one, to realize and to understand that we are so close and can be so tempted to not, to not follow God, to turn our backs on God. Turn your Bibles over to 1 Corinthians chapter number 10. Paul writes here of this same experience. And he tells us here about these people that were in the wilderness And it says in 1 Corinthians 10, in verse number 5, he says, But with many of them God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our, does anybody want to read that next word with me? Examples. Let's read it again. Now these things were our what? Examples. To the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, neither be idolaters as, some of, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and to rose up to play. You see, that's the same exact quote that comes from our Bibles here in Exodus chapter number 32. They were idolaters. They had fallen off into idolaters. And may I remind you again what I remind you of, of this morning. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse number 1. Moreover, what? Brethren, who are the brethren? The people of God. Do you realize that as a child of God that you could slip back into idolatry? You could. You could slip off into fornication. You could slip off into tempting Christ. You could slip off into murmuring against um, against God. We could all fall off into a myriad of different types of sins. And the point being here is this, is that we need to be reminded of the Old Testament... In the Old Testament stories that are exist here, so that we don't follow in the same vein, the same roadmap that they did. I don't like the roadmap of the of the children of Israel. How many of you like wandering around in a wilderness for forty years, going around in circles? Anybody like that roadmap? Say, no, I've got a husband that does that. I mean, just drives around in circles and circles. And I'm always saying, hey, pull over, find directions. You know what I mean? I've had enough of that. I don't want that. I don't want to wander around in circles. So what do you do? You go back to your Old Testament. You find the stories that are there, and then you apply them to New Testament principles and thoughts and, and, and theology, and you say, you know what, I don't want to live like that, I don't want to do that, I do want to do that, I do want to live like that, I want to pray like that, I don't want to think like that, I want to do that. You, that's what we do. 
That's what this is for. They're not just a collection of stories for bedtime or Sunday school. They're there to be an application so that we can understand how we should live our lives. So where, have they, or where did they turn their back? How did it all happen? What happened to these people that they would turn aside, as God tells Moses, so quickly? He says it in verse number 8. They have turned aside quickly. The word there means turned aside quickly is actually one word in the Hebrew. It's actually one, one word. It just means, it means, uh, it means so fast. It, just, it, means, it means not just quickly, but it means immediately. It means that they have just immediately turned themselves around. It's almost as if you're walking one way, and it's not the idea of repentance, but it's the idea of just a quick turn, a pivot, if you will. Uh, it's, it's, it's the idea that they, they were walking, they were doing, then all of a sudden it was like a flash of lightning, boom, all of a sudden. They're doing something else. What makes us turn our backs on God? Well, number one, I think it would be important for us to study this. What does it mean to turn aside from God? What does it mean to turn aside from God? And God gives us the answer. I'm glad God does. Amen? He gives us the answer in verse number 8. It means simply this, is that number one, that they made another God. He tells us that. In verse number 8, he says, They turned aside quickly and out of the way, which I commanded them, and they have made them a molten calf. They made another God. But also notice this. They were spiritual about it. Did you notice that? Look at verse number 5. And Aaron saw it, and he built an altar before it. That is the molten calf. And Aaron made a proclamation and said this. Tomorrow is a feast to the Jehovah. That's more a correct sense right there. Capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. Jehovah God. They ascribed. Aaron said, this is the Lord. This molten calf. They made another God. But just not another. As it says in the book of Galatians. He says, some have come and preached to you another gospel. And he says, which is not another. Uh, they made another God, which is not another. This is not another God. There are no other gods but God alone. The Lord God Almighty. But they ascribed it worth. And they said, this is our God. Whenever we try to, I think that's a big thing that we have to be careful with. What does it look, mean to turn aside from following God? It means that sometimes you get a little religious. Come on now, right? You get a little religious. You got a little, you're able to say the lingo. You're able to talk through some things. You're able to uh, even say, this is a feast unto the Lord here. We've got to be so careful that we just aren't religious. Problem sometimes with growing up in church or knowing things about God, is that you're able to rehash them very simply. You know the terms, if you will. You know how to pray out loud, if you will. I really like it when somebody first gets saved, and they've never really prayed out loud too much. I love to hear somebody like that pray. I, I, it's not that I'm making fun of them. I just like to hear them pray, because they're just real. They don't have anything to go on. You know what I'm saying? 
They didn't have a mom or dad that prayed with them. They don't have, they're just saying what's on their heart. And they're trying their best to talk to God in the best way that they know how to talk to God. And I love that. I wish more of us could get back to that. We just talk to the Lord as we all, as just what's on our heart and just, re, just reveal to Him, talk to Him. They made another God. And if we're going to ever, if when we turn aside from the Lord, what happens is this, is that we start to make other gods in our life, but we're still religious about it. We, 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 there's other gods in our life, but you know what? We still come to church. There's other gods in our life, but you know what? We still read our Bibles. There's other gods in our life, but we still pray. There's other gods, and we're, we're, we're acting like this is our God, but we've got all these other pet gods in the closet. And I don't mean some little idols. I don't mean molten calves, boys, okay? All right? What I mean is that what is your God? What is the thing that you, let me just go ahead and give it to you, worship? What do you worship? That's what he says right there. He says they made a molten calf and they worshipped it. They fell down to it. They bowed down to it. They ascribed worth to it in the sense that they gave more worth to it than they gave to God. Is there anything in your life that you put more worth, more value in than you do to God? You say, how do I know that? Well, look at the very next thing. He says they sacrificed to it. They sacrificed to it. You see, this is just a progression. How do I know if I have another God in my life? Well, what do you ascribe worth to? How do I know what I ascribe worth to? How do I know if I'm making that a God in my life? Then what are you sacrificing to? What are you willing to sacrifice unto? What are you willing to sacrifice for? And then they gave credit to another God. It says in verse number 8, it says at the end of the verse, it says, it says, these be thy gods, O Israel, which have brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. It's a progression. You have another God, you give worship to another God, you sacrifice to that God, and then you give credit to that God. You see, our, our gods today, a lot of times, they don't look like little Buddhas or little Shivnas or whatever else those little Hindu gods are called. A lot of our gods, they take in the form of a hobby. They take a form of a child. They take the form of a job. They take the form of a career. They take the form of an education. have all these types of forms that they take a hold of and they, they say, these be thy gods. These be thy gods. What are you worshiping? What are you giving yourself over to more than you are giving it over to God? What are you sacrificing to? Where's all your money going? Where's your life going? What are you giving your life to? What does it mean to turn aside from God? You make another God. You worship another God, you sacrifice to another God, and you give credit to another God. I think one of the biggest areas in our lives that we can have to be careful about is that last one. Who are we giving the credit to? Are we giving it to God? Are we saying to God be the glory? 
Are we saying, well, it was my education, it was my background, it was this, it was that, it was me. I did this. One of the reasons that I do despise politics is because I cannot stand, my wife and I, I think we are almost in agreement on this. I have a little bit more tolerance than she does. But I cannot stand the debate times. Because you know what I see in the debate? I see little idols standing up there. Well, I did this in my governorship. And I did this while I was uh, the, 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 the house chairman. Well, I did this while I was a senator. And I did this and I did that and I did... Well, you know what I'm seeing up there? Little idols. Just giving credit to me, giving credit to me, giving credit to me. And we need to be careful that, yes, we can have a form of an idol in this and in that, but make sure that you're not self-idolizing. You. And setting yourself up. That's the biggest idol, I think, in our world today. Well, how does it happen, Pastor? I mean, they didn't just all of a sudden just make another God. I mean, they didn't do it for no reason. I know they didn't. The Bible is so uh, is a commentary for its own self because it says in verse number 1 why they did it. It says it plainly. And the Lord said unto Moses, or excuse me, that's chapter 33, chapter 32. And when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mountain, the people gathered themselves unto Aaron and said unto them, Up, make us gods. For we don't know what's happened to this Moses man. Where has he gone to? How does it happen? I'll tell you how it happens. Number one, you become impatient, discouraged, and disappointed in life. You know why we set up other gods? Do you know why we turn our backs on God? It's because we become impatient with God. God, I've been praying for you to do this for 10 years and you haven't done it. I can't do this anymore. God, you promised me that you would never do this, dot, 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 and you fill in the blank. I'm disappointed in you. Literally, the word delayed can have multiple meanings. It can mean to delay time, but it can also mean the fact that you are disappointed and discouraged. One of the biggest reasons why people quit church and quit on God, disappointment and discouragement. They can't get over those two things. They turn aside from God. They think, I'll find happiness in something else. I'll find it somewhere else. These people quit on God just after 40 days. 40 days. We need to be so careful. The Bible says in Luke chapter number 21, verse number 34, And take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with surfeiting and drunkenness or in cares of this life, so that the day come upon you unawares. What is he talking about? He's talking about the return of Jesus Christ. He said you need to be careful that you don't have a hangover. That's what the word surfeiting means. That's our modern word for it. You need to be careful you don't don't have a hangover. You need to be careful that you're not drunk. You need to be careful that you're not just living day to day with the cares of this life. That's pretty general when I think about that. When I think of cares of this life, I mean, that's, that's so general. But that's just living a life that is, that is uh, belief, that is, that is when God is delaying his coming. He's not coming back. Where is he at? And so you know what? We're impatient with God. We're disappointed with God. We're discouraged with God. So we just kind of live our life however we want to live it. 
Oh, sure, we come to church, or sure, we read our Bibles, and uh, sure, we do this particular Christian activity, and, uh, and, and sure, uh, uh, you know, on our Facebook account, on our religious profile, it says that we're Christians and everything. Make sure you do that, right? Everybody wants to make sure they put a cross on there, you know, to put a Bible verse every, up, every once in a while, okay? Make sure that everybody knows I'm a Christian, but besides all of that, I'll live however I want to live. Listen, my friend. That is exactly how you get to the place that you turn your back on God. That's how we get there. We're impatient. We're discouraged. We're disappointed with life. Life hasn't met our fulfillments. You know why life oftentimes doesn't meet our fulfillment? Because God isn't the fulfillment. God must be the fulfilling factor of our lives. He is the water. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the door to life. But then it goes more. It says here, to, that says in verse number one, they became impatient. They became disappointed and discouraged. But look what also. They said to Aaron, they said, up, make us gods which shall go before us. They became unfaithful. This is a progression. Again, we start to look for answers in other places. We look to our family. We look to our friends. We look to our jobs. Life is disappointing. Life is discouraging. Life is, I'm kind of impatient, so what do I do? I call mom, right? I, I call my friend. I, I talk to a coworker at work who seems to have it all together, but she's not a Christian. Uh, he's not a believer in Christ, but, man, it seems like his life is going all right. And I'll call them, maybe. We become unfaithful to God. It's a progression. It moves. There was a king in 1 Kings chapter 12 and verse number 18. His name was Rehoboam. And Rehoboam, the Bible says that he went to two different people for counsel. He went to the old man. He went to his young, the young man, his friends. The Bible says that he forsook the counsel of the old men, which they had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. Hey, can I just... Pause for a moment of interjection to some of our young folks in here. Listen to me real quick. Is that you'll be tempted to turn aside from God and you'll be tempted to say, I don't really need my mom or dad. I don't need to listen to them. I don't need to listen to my pastor. I don't need to listen to the older people in my life that have tried to give me some counsel and wisdom. You'll be tempted to listen to your friends. And you'll all of a sudden think your friends are like the best thing since sliced bread. I don't know why sliced bread is always the best thing, but you know, it had to be a good thing. You know what I mean? When you had a loaf of bread and then all of a sudden you don't go there. Okay. Uh, uh, but, you know, think about it though. How many of us have fallen into that trap as teenagers? We fell into that trap. We thought our parents were historic, and, or I should say prehistoric or whatever it was. We thought they were, they were old fogies and they didn't know anything and, 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 and all those kinds of things. And some of you that are younger, maybe eight or nine, you're thinking, I, I don't know about that about my parents. I think they're pretty cool. But, you know, there's this weird age gap that happens all of a sudden. You don't think your parents are cool anymore. You don't think they know anything anymore. You don't think they are smart anymore. But here's the deal. Your parents are smart. They do know some things, and they've been through some things, all right, and you're Teenage friend is just as dumb as you are, okay? 
That's just the, that's just the point about it. They're, that's just, they're, they're not as smart as you are. You are you, and, and, but your parents know some things. And Rehoboam lost his whole entire kingdom because he listened to some lame brain friends of his. A kingdom, all right? If a man can lose a kingdom over listening to some ungodly friends, what can you lose? You can lose your purity. You can lose your freedom. You can lose your innocence. You can lose your life. Two miles from here, there's a memorial in Byron and Brian's neighborhood of a 19-year-old who was gunned down by a 15-year-old. Say, I never happened to one of my kids. That never happened to me. You better be careful, my friend. You better be careful, mom. Be very careful, dad. Ungodly friends will turn you away from God quicker than you can think. I had a friend in middle school, ungodly, got me in some of the most trouble I've ever gotten to. I was telling Caleb the story this afternoon. My mom said, you'll not be friends with that boy anymore. That's not fair. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what's fair. I'm your mom. You will not be friends with that young man anymore. Unfaithful. And then unthoughtful. How did it happen? How did they go from seeing God? Worshiping God? How did they turn back on God? They were impatient. They were unfaithful. And they were unthoughtful. When we don't remember the past blessings and the help that God has given to us, then we become forgetful and not just unthoughtful, but where the word unthoughtful comes from is the word thankful. We become unthankful. And we forget God's past blessings. And we don't realize that God has blessed our lives in the past and we forget about it. That's how it happens. It's a simple construct. It's not that difficult to really understand. You think, man, this has got to be some wild thing that happens to somebody that all of a sudden they turn their back on God. No, you can just become impatient, unfaithful, and unthankful. That's it. And turn around on God. Finally, what does it look like? Well, I'll just say this. It looks hideous. It looks terrible. But you don't know it. When you finally turn your back on God... It looks horrible. It looks hideous. It looks like a train wreck. But you still think you're driving a Mercedes C-Class down the Audubon. You think life is just as smooth as silk. While everybody else around you is going, what's going on? I thought they loved God. I thought they served God. I thought, you see, they were, first of all, they were willing to give up their gold. They had, they had those gold earrings and their children and their wives. And they said, hey, the first thing Aaron asked for, he says, give me all your gold in your ears. And he says, okay, <laughs> here it is. Or I should say, here it is, all right? 
took it out of my pockets. I don't know if you noticed that. All right. And here it is. Take it. You give up your valuables. You give up your possessions. You give up everything. I mean, I just kind of think, I think about, and I'm not relating this necessarily to y'all tonight, but my mind immediately thinks of somebody that's, that's, that's a drug addict. I mean, they just, they're just, it's just, okay, what do you want? Okay, I'll, I'll give you whatever it is. I, I don't, it doesn't matter. I'll, I'll steal. I'll do whatever I have to do just so I can get more drugs. And that's how it is a lot of times when people turn their backs on God. They're just say, you know what, uh, 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 give me your gold. Oh, okay, yeah, sure, sounds good. That sounds great. I'll do whatever it takes so I don't have to follow God anymore. Just whatever. It doesn't matter. I'll give up my possessions. And then you notice what happens next. What does it look like? It's hideous. It's terrible. Number one, they just give up their possessions. Number two, they start telling horrible lies. All right? Aaron was a horrible liar. Notice what it says in verse number four and five. And if you don't chuckle with me in verse number 23, not because of the lie, but because of how terrible it is. Look what it says. It says, and the people break these earrings off, and Aaron makes this. It says in verse number four, and he received them out of their hand. And he says, I mean, look how, look how detailed the Bible is. He fashioned it with a graving tool, and after that he had made it into a molten calf, and he said, these be the gods which brought thee up out of Israel, which brought thee up. Now look at verse number 23. Moses confronts him about this. And Aaron's answer is this. It's a terrible lie. It's like a five-year-old trying to lie to you. I mean, come on. For they said unto me, make us gods, which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, this man... uh, Brought us up out of the land of Egypt, and we want not what was become of him. And I said unto them, Whosoever hath any gold, let him break it off. So they gave it to me. Then I cast it into the fire, and there came out this calf. I mean, seriously, there is a bit of a chuckle there. I know it's a lie, I know it's a sin, but still, it's a chuckle in a sense because it's like, that is so stinking ridiculous. You took gold, you put it in the fire, and then all of a sudden, out jumps a molten calf, you know? That's not what happened. The Bible says exactly what happened. But you know what? People that turn their back on God, you know what? They're horrible liars. They lie to everybody else and they lie to themselves. That's the biggest person that they lie to. They keep saying, everything's all right. I'm a Christian. I'm a believer. I posted a verse on Facebook or Instagram the other day. Didn't you see that? And I'm not getting on to anybody for posting on Instagram. Don't read into that too much, all right? I'm just saying, we're still spiritual. We're still trying to wear this religious garb like we're okay, but we're not okay when we turn our back on God. And then, then, you can't wait to go at it. Another key indicator is what it looks like is this, is that you give up your possessions, you're a terrible liar, and then you just can't wait to get back to sinning again. You can't wait. Notice what it says in verse number 6. He says in verse number 5 at the end, Tomorrow is a feast to the Lord. And notice what it says. And they rose up early on the morrow. I mean, they were ready to get with this thing. I mean, they were ready to party. That's what it says. They rose up to play. Later on, it says they were naked. I mean, they just, they were ready to party. I mean, they were ready to get with it. They were ready to start the worshiping service, if you will. They were ready to go at it. 
They're like the drunkard of Proverbs 23, 35, where it says, They have stricken me, they shall, shall thou say, I, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. That's the cry of the drunkard. I mean, they've, you, they've beat me. Oh, they have not beat me. I mean, my, I, I mean, I'm in a horrible condition, but you know what? It doesn't matter because when I wake up, I'm going to get right back at it. And people that have turned their, side, turned their backs on God is that, you know what, one moment they can be this way, and the next moment, boom, they're right back into it again. Right back into it. We need it. I'm just presenting to you the hideousness of this. It looks terrible. And all of us are susceptible to it. And a lot of us, I can't speak to everybody, but I'm sure many of us have been in the position that this is talking about here. We have been in this position. We know what this looks like. And we shouldn't desire and we should want to not return to it. And then look at verse 25. One more thing. What does it look like? Well, it says in verse number 25, And when Moses saw that the people were naked, for Aaron had made them naked under their shame among their enemies. I don't want to get into that too much. There's a lot of different thoughts on that. But I think there's just really one thought that I want to present to this is this. You're totally unaware of your shame. When somebody is truly repentant of their sin, they're shameful. There's shame facing, there's a shamefulness there. They're ashamed. John and I, I think we're talking about this one day. They're they're not happy with their condition. But here they have no shame. Y'all have all, not not all, but you've heard of that dream, you know, that terrible dream where you're in JCPenney's and all you have is your underclothes on, you know? And you're like, why, why am I in here? And you're trying to hide and you're looking for a coat to put on. That's a dream. Why are you like that? Why? Because you're ashamed. You're ashamed. When Adam and Eve were in the garden and when they sinned, they were both didn't have any clothes on. And immediately the Bible says they were ashamed. They were ashamed. But here they are, no clothes, no shame. No shame. And people that have turned their backs on God just don't really realize how shameful they've become. You can't see yourself for what's happened to you. And when others try to convince you that you are wrong, they push back and they say, what? You're just being judgmental. You're just being judgmental. No, no, you're just standing here without clothes on, and we want to put a coat on you, okay? That's all. This is the process. It's not pretty. And that's why I want us all to see this, so that we don't go there. Because we don't need to go there. I'm not under the belief that every single Israelite did go there. 
I'm under the belief that there are, were many that did not participate in this activity. I believe the Levites did not participate in this. I believe I would have some good reasons why Caleb didn't participate in such things. But nonetheless, none of that matters. What matters is this, is that I am sure that none, not everybody did because I know Joshua and Moses did not. And the point being is this, is that you don't have to follow the world. You can be a standout for God. And when you are, the Bible says, but, in James 1.25, whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth there, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. But when you're turning your back on God, you're burdened. You're burdened. The question I have to close with tonight is this. Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be burdened? Which one? Do you want to be blessed or do you want to be burdened? Then let us keep going on towards God. Don't let that disappointment, that impatience, that discouragement turn you around. And if you have turned, Maybe you haven't gone all lock, stock, and barrel like these Israelites and fallen down before a molten calf and are worshiping it without any clothes on, okay? But you've noticed that you've taken a couple of steps back away from God. You know how many steps it takes to get back to God? One. But I've taken a hundred steps away. It doesn't make any difference. The moment you turn back around and run to God, guess what? He's there. He is there. Did that prodigal son have to go inside of his daddy's house to try to find his father? Did he have to look around the yard and wonder where dad's at? No. Dad was waiting for him the whole time. The Bible says that when his daddy saw him, that he didn't stay waiting on the porch either. Dad went running to his son. He went running to his son and met him halfway. Listen to me. Don't turn your back on God. Don't turn your back on God. It's not worth the burden. It's not worth the distress. But rather be blessed. Be blessed. May God help us to keep following him. Seeking after God. Keep on keeping on. Father, we're thankful for the word of God. Help us tonight in it. Help us to follow you, love you, and serve you. Help us to not turn our backs on you.